It's Tuesday, May 22nd, 2018. I'm Herbie Newell, and this is the Defender Podcast, a daily encouragement to mobilize and equip the body of Christ to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children. This daily podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, and I'm coming to you from Birmingham, Alabama. Well, today we are joined by our China Program Director, Carla Thrasher, and Carla is certainly one of the more uh, endearing members of our team and our staff. There's not a time that we travel to conferences or go places that people don't either ask for Carla or want to meet Carla. And Carla has had the privilege of serving at Lifeline for 16 years and overseeing during those 16 years, being a part of, overseeing, directing our China program. So China, which has always been very dear to Lifeline as a country, as a people, reaching out to those vulnerable children and orphans in China, and also intercountry adoption. It's always been such a dear, near part to Lifeline, especially since 1999. And so one of the things that we just want to do today is maybe you've considered China adoption, or maybe you're looking into intercountry adoption, and we want to answer your questions on why China adoption or adoption from China is something that you should consider. So, Carla, I'm just going to start off and ask you, for a moment, you're talking to family who, who may be interested in adoption. Why adopt from China? So, first of all, thank you, Herbie, for that introduction. It's a pleasure and an honor to do what I do at Lifeline and to serve families seeking to adopt internationally. Um, I really have to contain my excitement when I talk about China and just the the children there would be first and foremost in our mind as a reason to pursue adopting from China. Um, So many children available. Um, Between 500,000 to a million children um, are orphans in China. Not all of those children are paperwork ready, but that is an estimated number of the actual orphans. Um, so those children are just precious to us. They're near to our hearts. They're children of all ages. Um, referrals as young as 12 months all the way through the age of 14, where children um, age out of the, the system to be able to be adopted. Um, boys, girls, a, a very um, long spectrum of, of medical needs with needs that are more minor in nature all the way through the needs that would be considered more significant or more severe. Um, in addition to just the precious kids that are there, China is a very steady program. It doesn't have the openings and closings or the huge swings that we see in other international countries. It's a very predictable process. Um, for as long as I've worked with the China program for 16 years now, as Herbie said, Um, the process has not changed. It's a very predictable step-by-step process, which makes it easier for people to follow. Um, So if your personality lends itself to being very organized and kind of being a step-by-step person, this is a wonderful program um, for you. The travel process in China is, is shorter than most other countries. You're there for two amazing weeks, um, one week in the province where your child's orphanage is located, the other in Guangzhou, which is South China, where the U.S. Embassy is located. Um, As far as Lifeline goes, we have an amazing travel team. Um, They are just an asset to our program. They're English speaking. They are guides that we have been able to train and are invested in not only the process of adoption, but invested in lifeline families. Um, Relationships are formed in country that carry on for years beyond the adoption. Um, 
Another thing I'd like to talk about is that because we know China so well, it's a program that we've worked in um, for a very long time, information is very readily available to us. Um, Our team has formed and forged relationships with officials in China, with orphanage directors, with caregivers, to where we feel like we are able to ask questions that really help families preparing for the adoption of their children. And we're really able to equip them well for the needs of their children, um, whether it be their social history or medical needs or just things that are just very common to that orphanage or to that province. We really feel like we are able to ask those questions um, and get the answers that are really helpful to families. So Carla, you've touched on it a little bit, kind of the the children that are there, but uh, obviously, one of the things you said is is you talked about medical needs mm-hmm. of children, and we know that right now, folks, when they're considering China, know that most of the children are going to have a medical special yes. need. So, talk a little bit about the children first that that have the most needs. Mm-hmm. So, if if I'm a family that says I want to adopt the child yeah. that has the biggest need, that needs a family that maybe other people aren't looking at, what 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 is that child as a whole? Mm-hmm. What types of needs do do those children have talk a little bit about those profiles absolutely so historically when families first start looking at China I think just because of um, of years past people are going to immediately think about the the little girls with the minor needs and China as a program has really evolved especially over the past three to five years to be a program where that referral is not going to be the most prevalent There are still the young minor, young girls with minor needs available, but you may wait a little bit longer for that referral. Um, Where China has has moved to in the past few years are children being a little bit older. So maybe you're looking at more a child that's going to be three and up. Or children having, like Herbie said, maybe more significant or complex needs, meaning more than one need. Also just the, the prevalence of boys. Um, and I'm a mom of a boy, so I always advocate for, you know, for boys. I think they just are just endearing just as, as, as little people. And just really, when you see all those little faces and know all those boys are available, it just, it's deserving of a shout out. Um, so what we really challenge families as we are talking to them and walking them through the decision to adopt is really examine where the Lord is leading you and what he is calling you to. Um, Because it may be that historically you've heard of the young girls with the more minor needs, but it may be that the Lord is calling your family to something different. And he wants to stretch you a bit, or he wants to bring a child into your life that's going to give you an experience that may be different than what you've seen um, your life looking like when you've looked ahead. Um, Older kids, too. There's just a definite need all over the world for families that are willing to open their homes to older children. And we're not, we don't want to be naive in this. We realize the challenges that come with adopting older children. Um, And because Lifeline has really, um, probably for, for the past several years, the Lord has just really been calling us to be a voice for older children. And just the, the trials and the, the trauma that they are experiencing and have experienced in their lives and just the amount of time that they have spent without a mom and a dad or a primary caregiver, they really have a special place in our hearts. 
Um, and we really have invested and done a lot of research in how to best prepare families um, for the adoption of an older child. Um, so I, I would say, Harvey, that those are probably the, the categories of kids that we're seeing in China that, with the most needs. So <clears throat> we see those kids with the most needs. You've talked about the children that are available. Mm-hmm. So I'm, again, I'm a family. I'm interested. One of the things that we've had the opportunity to do either together and you've done so many on your own and with others as well as informational meetings and so we've traveled around the country we've been all over to do these informational meetings we've done webinars and we get lots of questions about china specifically so would you take a, a moment just to answer some of those questions that you're getting that you know probably someone listening to this that's contemplating about China they're asking these questions in their mind Mm -hmm. what are some of the answers to those kind of burning questions well if you keep up with China recently you'll know that 2017 was the year of change and it it takes us by surprise sometimes in China when we have a lot of changes that happen at once because we're we're used to it being a very comfortable process and a very comfortable country to to work with intercountry adoption wise. So in 2017 we saw regulation changes which did affect a lot of our families and we we grieved with those families. Those were some families that were very special to us that were no longer going to be able to adopt. But it also opened doors um, to other families that had been restricted years prior. Um, so if, if you keep up with China that's something you've probably heard um, more, more, most recently about the country. Um, we've talked a lot about just, you know, China being predictable and steady and easy and all of those kind of words. It is still a, an international country um, that, w- that is participating in international adoption. I think one thing that happened in 2017 is it kind of opened our eyes to um, kind of the, the playing field being leveled between China and other countries. So I would, I would want to inform families that we are seeing China more in the light and through the scope of, of what international adoption looks like as a whole. Um, for a long time, we've had larger numbers of children coming home and we are seeing those numbers um, decrease a little bit each year. But I wanna stress that there are still, still so many amazing children that need homes. Um, and I think that's you know, th- what we would see as being just a very important part of encouraging families to adopt from China and just what, you know, what that means um, for those kids to have a mom and a dad. And just you know, overarching as far as international adoption as a whole is concerned, if the Lord is calling you to this, you know, one of our just core beliefs here at Lifeline is that He is going to provide, whether it be financially for your family, whether it be providing medical resources or community for adopting an older child, we definitely believe that all of those things are going to be provided. And our our ministry is going to walk alongside you and supplement your family with counseling resources, with um, mentorship or connection with other other families, with resources in your community. That's going to be our commitment to you. And so one of the things even that you talked about in that is some of the the changes, the updates. Mm -hmm. And I know a question that that families have had is, well, how many kids can I have my home? And and there have been some updates and some changes on China. So Mm -hmm. give us an overview of some of those updates because 
I think a lot of times, you know, on the internet, on social media, there can be rumors about what these things mean. So just in, in plain terms, what are these updates and some of the changes that we have seen, particularly in China? Yeah, so the probably the most prevalent ones or the ones that affected the most families are that China has now requires the youngest child in the home to have reached the age of three before you can submit a dossier. Another change was that there now has to be a year between your adoptions. So a year between your gotcha day and the, the date that you would submit another dossier. And then the number of children in the home was something that also changed that affected a lot of families. Um, you can now have five minor children in your home. The adopted child can be the sixth um, child, but you can't have more than five minor children in the home. And minor being defined as under 18. Yeah, and so talk a little bit about how we've seen those changes. Um, you know, maybe kind of debunk some of the, the myths that mm -hmm. are going on. And what are those myths? And how can we debunk some of those myths? Yeah, so... Um, one thing I want to add, too, as we talk about the changes is I do want to bring out that the opportunities um, with regulations being having eased on a couple of, of groups of people, and that's um, people that have experienced more than one marriage. Um, the length of time in, your, in the current marriage was eased, and another was health restrictions. So um, where the health restrictions had been much, much more stringent in years past, those were eased a bit where we're able to have a little more wiggle room as far as families that may have had cancer or other types of, of health concerns in their past. Um, as far as, as myths, I would say probably the, the biggest myth is that these regulations or these changes have affected process, which we have not seen at all. The process continues to be very streamlined. We're still seeing children come home from China in, in as little as a year. If you're open to a child that would be considered special focus, which would mean a little bit older, so maybe you know four or five and up, or with a little bit more significant need, the, the waiting time or the, the process time from application to travel can still be as, as little as 10 months to a year. Um, probably another myth is that the referrals for the very young girls with minor needs no longer exist. They definitely exist. Um, we are still seeing those referrals, but the, the wait is going to stretch out if that's the referral that you're pursuing. Yeah, and, and talk about, we've seen and heard, I think from these rumors, from these myths, certainly we've heard folks that that maybe are a little bit more hesitant to get engaged in a china adoption yeah. maybe even rumors that it's going to shut down or it's not mm -hmm. going to be around anymore and certainly while we can never predict right. what a sovereign nation will do kind of talk a little bit about why it's not a time to be hesitant to yeah. get engaged with china so like herbie said we can never predict what another sovereign nation is is going to do as far as their own country processes but I will tell you that we are involved um, um, at, a very, at, a, at a very good level with the CCCWA where we feel like they are truly looking out for the best interest of children. It may not always look the way we want it to look, but we know them well enough and have relationship there where we know that that is their first and foremost concern. Um, we know that they are even now implementing programs where they are going to be looking at their processes and how, how to better 
um, prepare files or how to prepare files more quickly. Um, the domestic process in China, even looking at ways to better that process for um, the Chinese people that are living there to be able to adopt children where they're able to be in their culture. So we're really encouraged and we, we don't see you know an a, a impending shutdown or anything like that because of what we know is going on in country. Um, we do know that China feels very responsible for the children that they're placing um, in homes through other agencies or other ministries. And we do feel like they are even at, even at this point becoming more and more interested in how we do things and why we do things. And we see that as a huge step in just building their confidence in the intercountry adoption process. And then I know just one more thing as we talk about the myths and the rumors. I, I know that a lot of folks have, there's been a lot of banter about how am I going to get matched with my child? So, yeah. uh for instance, Lifeline used to have multiple orphanage yeah. partnerships. Now it's gone to a, a, a list. Talk a little bit about that matching process, how in a sense it's gone back to the future mm -hmm. and that it's not as revolutionary or new as it may seem. Right. So that was another big change from 2017 is the ending of the partnership relationships, which if you've been involved with adoption from China, you know that since 2011 that has been probably the, the, the major way that families have found matches through their agencies is through partnerships. So prior to 2008, the majority of matching was done from what's called the shared list, which is a list of all the paperwork children available um, in the country of China, available for adoption. So what has happened now with the ending of the partnerships is we've gone back to utilizing the shared list um, also utilizing what we call our designated special focus list, which are random children that are just assigned to an agency, not a specific partnership with an orphanage, but just children off of the shared list that are, that are assigned to an agency so that we can advocate for them. And then just also, if you see a child that you're interested in, you should always contact um, your agency and talk with your caseworker and just see, is it would this child be available to me or is this child eligible for adoption? Because um, there are a lot of people advocating for a lot of children from China right now. And um, I know Lifeline is a ministry. We're always going to do our very best to try to pursue those files and see if there's any way that we're able to um, identify those for families. Yeah, and I, one of the things is just as we close out, I would just say I would put our team on the ground in China against any other team as yeah. well. Lily has been doing uh, adoption since before the, the CCCWA even existed, before there was a central authority. She is for probably forgotten more about China than most people know China adoption. And her team and the team that we have on the ground with Rebecca and Miko and Helen are just fantastic as they take our families around. And it's the, from the moment you land in China to the moment you go home, there's someone with you that's going to take care of you, show you the ropes. And we have a, just an incredible in-country team to help you feel at home when you're away from home in China. And then and then the other thing is we have a fantastic staff that Carla leaves, he leads here that is going to walk you through the process. And, and we've said it before, but we are a hand-holding ministry in the sense that we want to hold our family's hands. We want to minister to them because we believe that you are training for a marathon and the marathon does not begin until that child comes home. And so we want to get you ready and we want to prepare you beforehand. And so we have 
a staff and a team of professionals that's waiting to help you both here and in China finish this journey that God could be calling you to in order to wrap your life around a child from China to disciple them in the way that they should go. So last thing, Carla, if people want more information from this podcast, how can they get in touch with you and your team and kind of go the next step of looking more into China adoption? Absolutely. We would love to talk to you and answer any questions that you may have. Um, Like Herbie said, we have just a dynamic staff on the U.S. side. I often wish that families could, you know, just have a, a window into our ministry building just to see how hard these girls are working and just how they're praying with families and, you know, celebrating and crying and just all those emotions that come along with international adoption. Um, But you can reach us through email, or you're welcome to call us at 205-967-0811. You can really find us anywhere you look. So we are excited just to know that people are interested in orphan care and just really pursuing just what the Lord has for their family. Well, thank you, Carla. And hopefully this has been helpful to get folks engaged in China. And and just if you are a family that's adopted from China or one that's thinking about, or maybe you say, you know what, adoption's not for me. Would you please pray for the country of China and for the millions of children that are living in orphanages and foster homes and around the country that need the hope mostly of the gospel of Jesus Christ, but also need intervention through adoption. Well, thanks for listening to the Defender Podcast. For more information or to connect with me, please visit HerbieNewell.com. To partner with Lifeline, visit LifelineChild.org. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at LifelineChild.org. Beloved, will you allow God to use the gospel to you to impact the life of a child? please contact us because we are here to defend the fatherless. We'll see you again tomorrow for the Defender Podcast.